Welcome back, everyone. I'm Heather I'm Noel. The, and we talk over each other. Oh, yeah. I apologize. <laughs> and I think I'm you're, Gloria. And I think Morticia is our lovely guest is muted. Oh, shit. Sorry, I muted myself. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Speak, Morticia. <laughs> so, yeah, everybody in our scene pretty much knows you as Morticia, Morticia Graves, Morticia Bat. Uh, so we're just going to stick with that for today. <laughs> it was supposed to be just Morticia Bats from my roller derby name when I played roller derby. And oh, Morticia just stuck, just stuck forever. It's a good one. <laughs> Let's get oh. roller derby. That's amazing. <laughs> um, for wait, I forget. I've seen derby dolls. Oh yeah, no, I played renegade roller derby, so it was like no rules, no bar holds. Everybody's fighting. You can't like complain if you get punched in the face. You get punched in the face. Love it. Damn, it was fun. So I want to talk with you about a bunch of different things, actually, because you're a very multifaceted person who I get tired just thinking about all of the things that you do. <laughs> yeah. Um, so before we get into like your basically like your daytime superhero alternate identity, uh, let's chat about how you ended up in this goth scene and became such a staple here. Staple? I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know. I think so. Thank you. I don't. I don't feel that way. <laughs> I like to be in the background. Um. So like, I grew up in foster care in LA County, and I was like always on the run because like abuse that happened in those places from like staff and stuff. So I would go run to like my brothers in South Central. They're all gangsters, so I was like all around gangsters all the time. But I met a lot of people in South Central that were into punk, and I was into punk, because um, all of my brothers were trollos. They like like Christian death and like <laughs> you know the adolescent dystopia. They were like straight up gangsters, but they liked that kind of music. So that's how I got exposed to it originally. Um, so I made friends, and I was kind of like, you know, in the punk and death rock scene, um, kind of most of my life. But I didn't really like make myself put myself out there i would go to like random you know random events at random dip in dip out wouldn't talk to anybody would stay away and it wasn't till i don't even remember when when i just decided okay i guess i should make friends <laughs> <laughs> so that's how i got i started um getting into it and now i have a family i have like adopt people adopting me you know like Dinah Cancer, Ton Hamone, like they both like, oh yeah, we're your mom, you know, and then I've got Jen who's like, I'll adopt you, Jen Bat. So like, you know, it's good for me because I've always wanted family, right? And so like it's corny as hell, but like the Gossine is my family. You know, they were they've been there for me through everything, all the bad, all the good. Good people. Good experience for me. That's great. How around how old were you when you started like um coming, coming around? Out. Yeah. Um probably like that won't count. <laughs> I guess I, I I guess I'll just say like maybe eighteen, nineteen, maybe okay. seventeen, seventeen maybe, but yeah, when I started like going, going, 
probably like 18 or 19 is when I was like coming around and I would like wouldn't go out often because I didn't want anybody to recognize me. I had a lot of trauma in my life. So I was like scared of people recognizing me. And I was like, no, no, you know. And then, you know, I eventually was like, fuck this. I'm going to make friends. They're not going to hurt me. Aw, that's an important revelation. That's a really big one. And because I haven't met you before, um, are you, did you invest in meet through the scene at a club? Is that how that happens? Okay. Yeah, we met through Release the Bat. Oh, okay. So Long Beach. Gotcha. No? Yeah? Yeah. Release the Bat's is home. Yeah. Yeah, we met through when I was, dating Stefan basically because you guys were good friends uh yeah he he was my best friend former best friend oh it's all good he kind of disappeared to be fair I think he just kind of I don't know he's doing his own thing yeah (laughs) (laughs) well we always talk a little bit about um like and we teasingly say like what is your darkness because it seems like there's always something that unifies all of us in bringing us to the the world of goth and it sounds like you've already told us a little bit about yours already it sounds like the foundation was there you know if you said trauma and obviously being raised in the foster care system it seems like and trying to stay anonymous and all those things yep it's like yeah that's probably what brought me there and the music the music the music got me through so much like when i was a kid I was listening to everything from like, you know, rap, like Bone Thugs and Harmony, Tupac, like oh, NWA. Yeah. I was listening to oldies, like, you know, cruising oldies, you know, I was listening to funk. And then on top of that, I was listening to like death rock and goth rock and post-punk. I didn't even know what it was until I got like older. I didn't know what it was. I was just listening to it. So. Oh, cool. Um, I also appreciate from like the way that you've already like dove into talking about like trauma as uh and its relationship to your presence in in the scene and attraction to it but I also want to get into like how you're using that in your like actual human not goth life (laughs) yeah um yeah I use everything that I've been through to help others because I've been there I've been through shit and so like I feel like you can either heal from that and move on or you can heal from that and choose to help people or you just don't heal at all. I chose to use like everything I've been through to help others because I don't want them to feel like they're alone, you know? And I feel like somebody who's been experienced, like has experienced like everything from like gang life, seeing violence in front of your eyes when you're a child, like seeing murders, you know, like just being homeless, being in foster care, you know, fighting like fighting for your own life like I can't tell you how many times people pointed guns at me and I could have died you know those type of experiences help people in like systems right like people that aren't even in systems who who like for instance I did TEDx talks in July I don't know I did um recently and it was for uh, a community out here in San Diego called Barrio Logan. And it's basically just a bunch of youth kids who, you know, are minorities, they are disadvantaged, and they've, they're surrounded by similar, similar lifestyles that I was. And I feel like me being able to talk to them 
and, and express like, hey, I know exactly what you're going through. I know what it feels like. You can you can keep going. You know, like you can you can do things. You can go to college if you want to. Don't let it hold you back. And even if you don't want to, that's fine. You know what I mean? But like, I think it's important to, for me to use all of my experiences and my traumas to help uplift people, especially like you. You know, I have people on Facebook that will message me and be like, hey, I'm about to be homeless. What do I do? Or, you know, oh, I was going to kill myself, but because of you and your perseverance, I didn't. Or like, oh, you know, this article you did with the band, you know, kind of saved my life. Like, that's what I want to do. I want to make an impact in people's lives. And like, people don't have to always tell you, hey, you did this and it like empowered me or, it, you know, like you've made me choose to go this or you inspired me. Like that doesn't even fucking matter. What matters is like you put it out there and people are going to see it. People don't want to always respond to that or admit that they're going through something. But you can impact somebody's life just by telling your story. And that's and, and I think that's the power of like living through your adversity and using leadership with your adversity to help uplift wow. others. That's amazing. <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about your I don't I don't know if all the listeners will be aware of your online uh, publication? Oh, Goth House. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> It stems from when I used to work for Vampire Freak. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that old website. Yeah, I'm still <laughs> on their second mailing list. <laughs> but, uh, I think you were working for them when I met you. Yeah, I was. I definitely yeah. was. Yeah, I think I was like giving everybody stickers and stuff. <laughs> um, but uh, Vampire Freak was a social network that was founded in like 1999 or 1998. It was like a sub forum and it kind of grew and became kind of like the Facebook or the MySpace of like alternative looking people. Yeah, it was like gothy MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, because like the, the it definitely was not up to date like like a <laughs> Facebook. So it was more like a MySpace. But um yeah, I had multiple jobs there. Um, I started at, out as a site administrator um, and then did the clothing, like their store, and then I was doing all their social media. And the owner wanted me to write for them because they know that I'm a good writer. And they wanted me to write band interviews from like my, you know, like, my area of expertise in music <laughs> which I was like I will do that but I'm also going to expand I'm not going to put myself in a box you know and he was like yeah yeah go for it and um so that's how I started uh that and then I ended up leaving and I made my own my I have like a team of staff we've been doing this for like probably 11 years and they all wanted us to leave Vampire Freaks for years and then we finally did and we started our own thing called Goth House LA. So a lot of people were familiar with like Vampire Freaks LA and like people who knew Jet or knew like a lot about Vampire Freaks were like, oh yeah, Jet, he's in charge of New York. Morticia, she's in charge of LA. Jet is like the oomph, oomph emo guy. Morticia <laughs> is the like death rock goth girl, right? Oomph, so oomph emo. <laughs> <laughs> 
so like that's how it was like some of our followers were upset that we changed the name we're just like we we aren't associated with them anymore we don't need to use them to get like followers or whatever we have our own like community out here so yeah it's just interviews sometimes we write historical articles on like BIPOC people um that are really short just to kind of like educate people about like people in history that aren't normally like talked about um we've interviewed some activists uh i've written a lot about the tudor family because i've been obsessed with the tudor family for some reason my entire life but i write like all these crazy things that nobody reads some of them are like super long i'm cool with it whatever you don't have to read it <laughs> <laughs> and then we interview uh skaters um and we have a list of bmx pro bmx uh writers and uh surfers but yeah it's mainly music i love it that is an interesting <laughs> crossover because yeah. like there's so many different components of like different alternative subcultures going on there that like i don't think you don't normally associate with each other not at all mm -mm. the name itself it's funny we had to go through three stages of voting because I first started, there's 17 of us. Everybody's like, here are the names. We had all these different names. Like somebody was like slothing around. They wanted to call it slothing around because like our <laughs> whole thing is a goth sloth. And it's like, we call it Johnny Sloth. So it's like this little, well, you probably saw it when I it's came funny. in. Yeah, it's just like supposed to be a sloth inspired by Johnny Slit. Um, I got it. I, I follow. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, but yeah, we had that, and then we had put the names together, put out a poll, and had all of our followers um vote and bands as well. And then it was a tie. I think it was a tie between uh Goth House LA and something weird like Bones and cracks or something like that i don't even remember what it was and so we had um selected specific um musicians and djs in the uh death rock scene around the world not just la because we are like all about worldwide music promotion and we selected them to narrow it down and after all of that it ended up being goth house la so cool Long story to tell you how Goth House LA started. <laughs> That's great. What do you? What are the offerings in Long Beach? Do you live in Long Beach? No, you said you're in. You're somewhere else tonight. But it, where do you live normally? I'm yeah. I'm like from LA, but I'm currently living in um, San Diego because I go to the University of California, San Diego. Oh, great. Yeah. Cool. And you are but, getting your degree in psychology. Yeah, and um, Native American and Indigenous Studies. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. And then I'm hoping to move back home because I, not gonna lie, I don't really um, vibe here. Um, I miss home. I feel like even Orange County is better. <laughs> uh, no hate on San Diego. I, I like the, the people out here, you know, Javi Nunez, Robin Ross, they're cool, but I miss home and I miss our food and our diversity and our community. <laughs> um, but yeah, I plan to come back and then 
apply for my PhD and skip that master's. I don't want to be in a master's. <laughs> it's so impressive. Fuck. Like, um, <laughs> tell me more about that and like how that. I don't know. You're you're such a social justice oriented person in a way that I find really impressive. <laughs> and I don't know. I like seeing that in our scene. You mean? Do you want me to like talk about like? skipping the masters or talking about just like academia or my interest yeah. in academia what do you want yeah i guess how you ended up uh being such an academia heavy uh person but also such a you're a very you know social justice activist person like it's not just from an academic perspective i think always since i was a kid i was an activist but the way i did my activism was really different probably more violent more angry mm. uh, I think that's kind of part of who I am um of all I feel like I've always been somebody who wants to fight for for my community and other communities um with academics I I fell in love with it on accident it was actually all accidental I went to a community college because my friend told me to go check out the specific community college because at the time I was homeless and they were like they have resources there so I went there mm. ended up talking to this lady and she tricked me into enrolling I was like I can't I didn't graduate <laughs> high school I didn't finish the 10th grade every excuse I had she had an answer so I enrolled um and that's then... amazing by itself like that's the whole story <laughs> just right you said in one sentence <laughs> So yeah, that's how I got in. And then I fell in love with like education and like bringing in like my hood mentality, my streets mentality, everything that I've been through and like knowing about like my biological family. And then like being in like the death rock and punk scenes my whole life, I started like, you know, learning things and like sociology and psychology. And I was just like, okay, um, I think I'm known in academia as one of the students who won't shut the fuck up, <laughs> who always has something to say, and who will engage other students by asking them questions if they don't follow a prompt that the teacher asks. Um, but mostly I correct teachers um, when they are teaching, especially in like sociology and psychology, you know, they don't mean to teach a certain way, but sometimes I'm one of those students that's like, actually, you know, this is what it sounds like. You have to be, and I wouldn't do it in front of like students, obviously. I would do it like behind doors or I would question the material, you know, like that they're bringing in and asking them why they're not using this material. You know, the statistics that they're using are fucking old. And I know that like statistics take forever to gather, but you have to incorporate that there are other places where you can find those statistics that are so fresh you know, 15, 20 years old that you can incorporate into your class because instead, you know, you kind of, the, I learned in academia that some classes don't intentionally try to create a bias towards minorities or people who live in the ghetto, right? <clears throat> but it, the way things are presented in classes and in statistics, it creates a bias for a student. So I've always in every class have been like, I get everything that you're doing but I'm one of those hood kids let's let me give you some of this information that you can cover because what happens is you create the whole cycle of like grouping people judging people based on what they're wearing what they look like all this stuff 
I don't know what I'm going off of, but yeah. So I bring my social justice into the classroom and I, I learn a lot, but I also think I teach a lot, like teachers. You know, that's why I was like a TA for a sociologist because I was so good at pointing out what she was doing wrong behind closed doors <laughs> that she realized that she had a bunch of biases. And so she's like, I want you to start helping me teach classes and grading students and helping. And so that's how I got into that. But yeah. What aspect not, of psychology do you want to go into? I know you're getting your PhD, but what do you want to, what is your ultimate goal? Do you want to research? Do you want to practice? I don't want to be a therapist. I am good. Um, a lot of <laughs> people say I should be a therapist or that I should do forensic law because I'm really good or forensic psychology and law because I'm really good at forensic psychology and like law and systems and like all that stuff. Um, I'm still kind of figuring that out as I go along. Yeah. I know that I don't want to be a therapist. I know I don't want to be a teacher. That I can tell you. I'm not interested in a being a teacher. I never was before I had that TA job. But after the TA job, just confirmed that I don't want to be a <laughs> teacher. Um, I feel you I on think, that. Yeah, I think I most, in my head right now, I want to do research um, on like, neuronal circuits and behavior like I really like neural circuitry and behavior like I think that's a really great field in psychology to research but I don't know what type of research I want to do when it comes to that specific field because every field has a subfield and that subfield <laughs> has a subfield so you have to have a specialization like right now I have like a I'm majoring in psychology with a focus in cognitive and behavioral neuroscience. And then I'm minoring in an ethnic studies major for Native American and indigenous studies. So obviously I'm, I wanna be in research, but I also wanna help communities. I wanna change public policies or find ways to change public policies that affect BIPOC and LGBTQIA plus people. And I, I definitely want to help communities. Like, that's my thing. So nonprofit, research, public policy. That's probably where I'm headed. I just haven't figured out how to hone it all in. I definitely see that for you. Like, I see you being, like, so active in, in like, the structure of communities more so than, like, a behind-the-desk research person. Yeah, no, that's another thing I was thinking about. It's like, I love research, and I want to conduct it. But I need to do more than that, you know, being behind the desk and stuff. Like, I remember I had a professor last quarter at UCSD who was, like, really impressed with me. And he was, like, he's a law and, like, he does forensic law, forensic psych law. And he's, like, one of the top professors in the psych department for, like, that field. He's worked with, like, Elizabeth Loftus and all that. And he's, like oh, you know, when you get your PhD, I'd like you to come work with me and we can work together in courthouses. And I'm like, I don't want to sit down and look at <laughs> hit rates all day. That's literally all it is, looking at hit rates all day to see if crime is going up, going down, and if cases are going up and going down. And if it moves, it moves like barely that much in like 20 years. I'm good. I don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Are you getting any of your death rock slash goth fill in San Diego? You know, um, it's different out here. 
It yeah. is. There's a couple of options though, correct? Yes, there's options. There's yeah. um stuff. Um, I've gone to events solo. Um, I've been to a few. But, you know, like my friends were playing, like Sextile played, I was there. Uh oh, Criminal cool. A played, I was there. Um I'm gonna go see Pink Turned Blue out here, which is gonna be very interesting because I've seen Pink Turned Blue at like part time punks when I was like mm -hmm. so yeah, um, yeah, there's 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 options here. It's just di it's just different, you know. Um, and I'm always somebody who always goes solo. Like I literally date myself. I take myself out to eat, and I'll sit out like a fancy ass restaurant rooftop by myself, drinking wine or whatever the fuck I'm drinking and eating. I don't give a fuck. But <laughs> um, I'm really busy out here uh in san diego doing other things um but yeah i i go out sometimes it's definitely different there's a lot of energy um yeah does um javi and jamie's club still exist yeah I've yeah, been, the, yeah i know i know those guys um, yeah so yeah. like jamie and javi and robin i know them right yeah yeah i know Most, them too Mostly, like, I feel like we know them because we work together with, like, our scenes, right? Yeah. That's what I love about the Death Rock and, like, goth community is that everybody works together in different states, countries. Like, that's beautiful. That's community to me. But, yeah. No, I, um, yeah, I, I've gone to Hobbies events, a few of them. But, cool. yeah. What was it called again? Was it Heresy? Oh wait, hemlock. Hemlock. God, I can never I always just see Hold that on, like give me one imagery. Second. Yeah, hemlock. That's what I was thinking of. Okay. I was gonna say, um, Javi had been wanting to give me this for a very long time. Um, and then I moved out here and I was supposed to go to his store, but I didn't have time. And then I went to his event and he knew I was going. So he gave it to me. I have the hemlock book. Oh cute. I actually have, yeah, I have their like coat peg thing. And um, I made one of those. I was like the stickers that they gave to me too. I have a little. Yeah. Oh, just kidding. Mine was like a journal. I haven't seen their actual publication. It's really cool. I'll bring it when I come home, and I'll let yeah. you look at it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, I don't mind it. I just, I'm just really busy, so I can't always go to the events out here. Yeah. Uh, you are. That's an understatement. You're like one of the most impressively busy people yeah tell us about your band interviewing like is there i mean is it through connections do you have a formal like pitch that you re you know request from <laughs> no or i'm ghetto it... <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, old school. I'm just i'm just like this right i'm like i'm probably extra right i'm extra as fuck <laughs> because i'm like boisterous and loud I blame South Central because in South Central, we are loud people, um, but I'm not shy. Um, I will hit up anybody, any band, any DJ from any country um, and ask. The worst thing they can say is no, right? Right, yeah. That's it. I've only gotten one no in all of my band interviews. One. Love and it. Then, wow. and, and it was, and I like will never work with that band. Um, only because 
their reasoning for saying no was that, oh, we're not active anymore. So it doesn't matter. We still have fans. Right. Oh. And then literally a year later, they were like all over the place and active. And I'm like, and then they came to me like, oh, yeah, we'll do a band interview. And I was like, no, you can do your postpunk.com interview. You're good with them. I'm not like that. I don't work like that. I'm not corporate. I'm very DIY and authentic and genuine. That's kind of like why a lot of bands like us because we're like really authentic about our shit. We don't like have like this, hey, we're this. We've interviewed this band and this band. Like, there's no need. I don't care if somebody knows that I interviewed Andy Sex Gang or Alien Sex Fiend. Who fucking cares? I love those bands. I'm not talking shit. I'm just saying, like, we don't have to piggyback off of our past to get an interview. You know what I mean? Great. Yeah. We don't have to be a big name to get an interview. Um, my biggest thing when I'm messaging a band or a DJ is that I say, I am DIY. This is my company. We make, like, no money. We don't care. We just, you know, want to give you an interview. Um, our interview style is a little bit different than most styles i've seen in the last i don't know decade um kind of like i don't know our interview style is just different we don't ask basic questions yeah we ask really interesting ones i think a lot of the bands like that we are different and we also like to structure the interview around what they want to talk about outside of music especially yeah, I really respect that. I mean, that's kind of what we try to do with this podcast, too, is like not just talk about like Got our music off. taste and our like <laughs> club history and like what places you go and all that kind of stuff, like really mm-hmm. to get to the, the essence of the people in our community. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like you try to do that, too, both in the goth scene never... and in, yeah. Do you have a favorite band that you've interviewed or a memorable <laughs> interview? I can't say I have a favorite band because I love music. There's only one genre and subgenre out of all the genres and subgenres I listen to that I can say is my ultimate favorite band. It is in the punk genre, the subgenre is press punk, and it is dystopia. I can't answer that for any other genre or subgenre. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't. <laughs> but I will say that um, interviewing Andy Sex Gang was very like astonishing for me. Um, when I when he agreed and I remember being very very nervous because Andy had told me yeah we'll think about it um and then they said yes as long as it's not stupid or something like that like as long as it's not like fucking basic yeah and I was so nervous I was so nervous and I was like talking to my biological dad you know he he lives in the UK and um, he went to all these, like, you know, he knew all these bands in the 80s and stuff when he was a kid. And so he's like, I'm not going to tell you. My dad is also a writer, but he's like, I'm not going to tell you shit. Figure it out. So I figured it out. And I think, honestly, because of Andy, he's the reason probably why I decided to stay with that type of style of, like, putting in more effort, not asking basic questions. And making it out like outside of the music as well like because for his interview i worked really hard it took me a really long time to like you know get these questions i'm like what if andy hates it what if he's like 
this bitch is dumb. Like, I was so nervous. And then I did it and he liked it. And, and he like answered every question. And there was a part where I was wrong. And I had the opportunity to remove my wrong and make it look like I knew what I was talking about. But me being me, let me be wrong. Let me be embarrassed in front of every goth person in the world. I don't give yeah. a fuck because you know what? I can't know everything. And we do that to ourselves all the time on the podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> public public embarrassment is, comes with the territory. Yeah. So, yeah, like, yeah, I think that's where, that, that's a very, like, important interview to me um i love every band that i've interviewed um maybe not the dark side of the con interview no offense um (laughs) i have i was forced to do all of them um unless you're the long lost that's different that's they're different people but (laughs) Yeah, I can't choose like anybody. Like I have an entire wait list and I've been trying to work it down. Um I have probably 74 bands waiting. Wow. So our wait list, we had a wait list to get onto the wait list and that was closed. Once we get to 49 bands, we will open the wait list to be put on the wait list. <laughs> um but yeah, I think that's one of my most like that was a learning experience for me. I was nervous. It was an important interview for me. Like, I also was like, I never imagined that as a child, I would get to interview one of my favorite, like, musicians. That so was huge for me, you know? I got to let you guys in on a little secret. I'm obsessed with Johnny Slit. Like, obsessed <laughs> since I was a kid. Just like I like, Johnny love Sloth. <laughs> Johnny Sloth. Yeah, I mean, that's clear, right? Because of the logo. So I asked, I waited three years, and it took me three years. And even talking to, like, I don't know if you're familiar with Reese Redbound. Um, he's on, yeah. in, uh, not Instagram, he's on Facebook. Um, he's a cool person, but he, he's the one that kind of, like, told me, just fucking ask. You know, he was going to ask for me. He lives in the UK, and I was like, no, don't don't do it and it took me three years to finally ask johnny for an interview and i have it i've been procrastinating and i only want to share this only because like i am so nervous about this interview it's been in my like documents for two years oh my god even my assistant writer won't touch it because she's like this is all you um, my only question is, do you like water? What the fuck? Do you like what? Water? Water? <laughs> I'm so nervous. I'm like working on everything else. And I'm like, I gotta do this. But like, let me do all this first, right? You know, like Andy's sex gang and Elian, um sex fiend are supposed to have new interviews coming out. that I'm supposed to be working on. And I'm working on those. But here we have Johnny who's been waiting, you know, and I'm just like so nervous. So it's oh like, God. I love what I do. And I, I love being able to talk to like all of these people, you know, and I end up making friends with them in the end. Like they love me. I love them. They're like family, you know, but I'm, I don't know. I'm stuck on Donnie Slut interview. <laughs> so hopefully well, <laughs> the world needs to know whether or not Johnny Slut is hydrated. I, <laughs> I think one of my questions I'll be talking about 
with him at least is going to be um the way that he loves food he loves creating you know his vegan dishes and he shares them online like recipes and stuff so i think that's something that i'm going to talk about is like what it, where did his love for and passion for like food and you know making vegan food and like he has like those fancy like cheese and like vegan cheese and nuts and all that boards that he's like oh cool gifts to people so yeah i don't know why i brought that up but yeah because it's all relevant you're you're vegan too am i right food is intertwined yeah it does keep coming up it's actually really interesting there is like a music and culinary crossover Mm -hmm. and a certain sort of like I don't know. I think it has to do with just like the enjoyment of like life and experience and sort of like like hedonism in a good way. Yeah. And poetry. And poetry. Yeah. Here we are. <laughs> I love poetry. I write poetry, but I never publish it. My poetry is shit. Anyways. Everybody thinks <laughs> poetry is shit. That's true. Everyone <laughs> thinks their own poetry is shit. Gotta get it out there. <laughs> Maybe I'll send you something I wrote best. Yeah. Okay. Oh my God. Poet. Poet. So I also like to ask people this um when you first started actually like going out to places with like other people in our community do you remember like the first time that you danced yeah like in public like in public and <laughs> like, not, yeah. not i'm not gonna talk about punk because we don't dance yeah, um just weird movements <laughs> jerks. But, okay um yeah i remember tell me you remember the song? Do you remember the place? Oh, I remember the song. I think it was a um, it was an alien sex fiend song. Nice. Um, I think I could be wrong, but I think it was an alien sex fiend song. And I think it was Trips to the Moon. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's the song. Huh. And I was in the corner, you know. Um. I still, this was at the time when I was trying to be invisible in the scene. I didn't want anyone to notice me or know who I, like, recognize me. That's why I was, like, so infrequent when I was going out. Because if I was frequent, people would probably notice me. Um, Yeah, I remember dancing, and it was great. Nobody was staring at me. That was Yeah, no one gives a fuck. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The freedom. Was this that release the bat? No, it was. Oh, wait, yeah. No, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was release the bat. Yeah. Nice. Aw, that's so cute. Yeah, I remember. It was in in there, but I liked that nobody was staring at me. That was like a big thing for me because, like, I used to just kind of like stand around. And like listen to the music and kind of like, you know, do my little sway <laughs> or sit on a table or sit near the fireplace and try to just stay where nobody would like By hey, the what's up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, when I went, I was still in the corner. Um and I was trying to stay away from the mirror. <laughs> so I was actually in front of the DJ area. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Closer to the other bathrooms that like nobody's allowed to go to, right? Um and I was just like doing my thing and I let 
I like that nobody was staring at me, you know? Yeah, the whole dance like nobody's watching thing that's like comes up in the mainstream a lot, I think is really true in our community. Cause like, even if we yeah. are, you know, maybe like once in a while bored and judging each other, no one actually cares. <laughs> nobody gives a fuck at all no. you know and like my I think one of my favorite things about this like the way we we dance right when you're dancing with a partner I mean I've seen people all over each other but like <laughs> realistically when you have like a partner yeah right you're you with somebody <laughs> you don't you are at a distance and you're doing your own thing and I totally. love that that's like my favorite thing because like you know, I only brought one partner, you know, my entire, like, I never brought, I never bring it. That's the other thing is like, you know, like people are like, you don't introduce anybody to the family. Well, that's how I am with the gossip. I didn't bring any of the dudes that I've ever dated or like, even like an ex-boyfriend that I was with, but I brought one person and everybody knows that person. Um, Wait, do I? You probably saw him, but you might not know him. It was like a dude that I was, yeah, you've seen him. He was a guy that was around me. Um, He even got, you know, to go to like birthday parties of like our friends and stuff. That's how how much (laughs) I allowed him into my world. Yeah, you outsourced your romantic side. Okay, I, don't, I, I keep using this there's like incest and there's outsourcing that's how I describe our dating <laughs> patterns is like you either like I'm incestuous Heather's more of an outsourcer too <laughs> and you're an outsourcer <laughs> yeah you know what's funny one of my favorite things to do right this is gonna be fucked up and any dude that has a crush on me is gonna hear this and I really don't care <laughs> um if a guy is like trying to take me on a date or wants to like see me I will send them to release the bats or wherever I'm going and be like, yeah, here you go. Um, I'm going to be here tonight. I'm not accepting the date, but I'm just kind of like, oh, you want to see me, you know, want to hang out with me? Yeah, here, here's this event, you know, I would send them to like part-time punks. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the whole night, if, if I'm not release the bats, there you know. <laughs> I'm gone because people are grabbing me. People are talking to me. So like half the time, it's like my it's like my way to be to be safe to feel safe. Cause I'm yeah. around my people, right? And they'll protect me, like no matter what. Like I feel like really protected, you know. So like if there's a dude that comes, you know, and I'll like talk to him for five minutes and be like, I'll be right back, and then I never come back. You know, he gets to experience that all by himself. And it's rude, but honestly, I really don't care. I'm just like trying to, I I, I normally just reject people, but like when they're consistent, I'm like, here you go. And then I hope that that teaches them that like, I'm not interested, but. Or if they like it though, they, you get to like read out their, like their perspective by being like, Hey, here's me in my element. You can take it or leave it. Yeah, that too. That too. That too. Although I've never really connected with a dude that I've invited out, you know? You're basically uh, pranking them. Or like I would go back and like talk to them and the next thing you know, somebody like will literally like pull me away. Literally. Not like they're trying to be rude, but they miss me or they want to talk to me about something and they don't want to they don't know who this person I'm talking to is and then little by little I'm, I kind of like that. I kind of like yeah. the the feeling of like 
even if it's not somebody I invited, but like if it's somebody, you know, random people who come, right? We don't judge anybody in, in the scene, right? All kinds of people come. Some of them are creepy or weird, but in a, in a negative way, right? Like right, yeah. going after girls and being curvy. But like the thing about that is when you're in that scene, in my experience, when anybody sees that happening to you, they get you. They come get you. You're not alone. You're like, nobody's yeah. fucking with this person. No, let's go. You know, get get you the fuck away from whatever this person's trying to do, right? So, like, I, like, feel very safe and at home when I'm there and in and, and this community, you know? I think that was really well said. I had that experience, too, and I, I respect that about... I mean, I think a lot of, like, close-knit communities have that experience, but I, like, ours in particular is very, it's, like, self-policing in a way. Yeah. That is surprisingly functional most of the time. <laughs> no, I definitely feel safe in, in our community. I feel like I'll be protected, right? Yeah. I feel like it's my family, you know, like, they're gonna protect me, and they've proven that every time, and I do the same for them, so very, like, that's my heart. I'm gonna cry. I'm not gonna cry. Hi. <laughs> it's okay to cry on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna cry. Ah. Are they continuing uh like reunions? I know they just did that one club. Where was it? It was that place, that venue you didn't really care for, Vesta. Oh, that weird oh. ass uh yeah, on the east side. Morticia, do you know the place I'm talking about? It's like I think it's called Cities? No. no. Is it in East LA? Yeah. Okay. Is it like like, for Esther Dutch and stuff? Maybe. It's like large. It feels like it should be a concert venue more than like a club. It's like a restaurant, right? Kind of. Okay. I know what you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. I think it has a Spanish name and I can't remember what it was. Um, Hold on. I can tell you right now. Yeah. Really? So that's did a thing with Dust Bunker there recently and I. I had gone to their previous one. It was like it almost felt like ravey in like the layout <laughs> of it. But then it was like Dave DJing. It's very different, right? When you're in like the I don't know, you know, like if you think about Daz Bunker like ten years ago or twelve years ago, it is a different vibe than yeah. like death rock scene uh they're like the polar opposites within the goth <laughs> spectrum i yes. think like and the Dust, history Dust Bunker and that. The yeah fuck, i know it all goes back to the case yeah i can say anything but that has that history i know i, I do um, know and heather has case history too that's like kind of separate from ours we have a lot of roots there yeah i don't know i think it is called cities well, no. the city is a thing, but the one I'm thinking of is different. It's something. Yeah, else. they just did a reunion recently. That was a collaboration of of Release the Bats and Bunker, and it was like a. I wonder, saw that. Like a one and doneer. I don't know if it's a regular thing, but I was wondering I if think they're oh, doing it like annually. They are okay. I want last little. Wait, that's going to be annual. I think so. I don't know. And then they <laughs> they can do what Kesara whenever they want. Well, yeah. they've been doing it for the anniversary in October. Okay. Do, yeah, 
yeah the anniversaries and then they have like the random like Susie night the Kira night Lemmy night like it's all hosting they're just not in the business of like every single first party yeah. every single month yeah I've been doing it for over 20 years it gets tiring I know yeah we had Dave <laughs> Dave on here in one of our earlier episodes you did yeah, yeah. I need to listen to it I love yeah. Dave I know. Dave is like the grandfather of all the stories. He, he is. He's a fucking manic motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's I guess we'll wrap it up and are you, are you gonna be you said obviously you're in school right now. Are you gonna be coming up to LA sometime soon or are you gonna be I'm always there. You're always up that I'm, was my question. I was like, I wonder how often you're up because I'm sure if there's the reunions, you're up for those, but do you come up pretty regularly? Yeah, I come up a lot. I actually have to go um next weekend because I have to go like I have to actually go to South Central and deal with some some things um out there uh with family who are being just dumb. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I'm always there because I miss it all the time and I miss the food. I when I'm out there I'm often like in honestly, like I'm I'm usually in Boyle Heights or East Lowe's. Okay. Because, um yeah but yeah I go there a lot and I go to Orange County a lot um I can't stay away <laughs> no I, I know the feeling do you want to yeah. plug anything do you want to tell people how to find you or um, um online they can find your goth house online yeah goth house look for that don't look for me I'm yeah, nobody you're an enigma <laughs> you are a bit of an um, enigma I guess, uh, you know, on Instagram, YouTube. What else do we have? They made us pizza. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm actually opening up this. Okay, I have this email where my staff had written everything. So, <laughs> Goth House LA on Facebook, easy to find. Goth House LA on Instagram, easy to find. Goth House LA on Twitter, and Goth House LA on TikTok. It's basically just Goth House us. Goth House LA. Great. Yeah. Everywhere. And it's spelled H A U S. Um. Yeah. H A U S. No plugins. Okay. Well, <laughs> any any plugins? It would probably be like, I love my community. I love L A. It's my heart, and I love everybody. <laughs> and and yeah, that's probably it. I just love my people. That's actually a really lovely note to end on. Yeah. 